you're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome back to This Osteopathic Life and another episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. Today, I am joined by Dr. Randy Schachter. She is a psychiatrist who helps women and children with mental health issues and runs a wellness program for female medical professionals. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. I'd love to hear your story into the practice of medicine. So I think it started when I was really young. Uh, My father is a doctor, and I remember that sometimes he would do house calls and patients would come to our house. And I don't know why, but for whatever reason, my room ended up being the room where he would see them. Oh, wow. And uh, so I just, you know, sometimes I'd peek in and watch and they adored him and he adored them. And so it kind of started there. Mm-hmm. And what was his specialty? He was sports medicine and rehab. And so it was just when it started that mm-hmm. field of medicine. And I think oh. that's where osteopathy started for me mm-hmm. because it was the concept of helping prevention and healing the person and not just the disease. Cause it was a way mm-hmm. to avoid surgeries or heal before or after, as opposed to just kind of cutting open the person and figuring it out after, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So lots of hands-on treatment happening yes. in that space too. Exactly. Lots yeah. of hands-on. Mm-hmm. And so tell us about your journey once you arrived to medical medical school or even just before then? So I was a psych major at UCLA and um, I thought I'd be a psychologist. And while I was going through the process, I realized that I wanted more tools, that what if what I had wasn't enough and I needed more tools. And I thought, well, I'll go to med school. But then here was this great man, my dad, who was amazing. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend who was a year older than me who was at NYIT. And my dad was a teacher there. And he said, dude, you have to see some of the people that are doctors. Like we can do this. You can do this. You have to apply like regular Mm -hmm. people are doctors too. And I did. Mm -hmm. And I got in and uh, that was it. Amazing. So interesting how your, your mental, your inspiration can also sometimes be intimidating, right? I don't know if I could do this. Yeah. And so did you go through school with that friend, the one who said, yes, he was a year ahead of me. Absolutely. And how he lives in Vermont and he's Mm -hmm. an ER physician. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful to have those allies in that space. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it was, sounds like it was predetermined right from undergrad that psychiatry was going to be the specialty for you. Did it ever sway? Did you ever? Um, sure. No, absolutely. So options? there was a period where I thought maybe I'd do, P- I always wanted to do child and adolescent. And there was a period where I thought maybe I'd do peds. And actually, I think it was like up to the, like the end there where when it was time to apply that, like mm-hmm. I put first choice psych, then I did triple board, then I did peds mm-hmm. and I ended up with my first choice. So fate mm-hmm. decided, and it was the yeah. best choice for me in the end. 
yeah, some of those benefits to the match, which can otherwise be an arduous <laughs> right. process. Yeah, absolutely. And so what was it like going through that postgraduate training? What are some of the highlights and some of the challenges you remember? Um, so highlights, I had great mentors, amazing mm-hmm. people that were passionate and loved what they did. Um, and then, um, and I definitely worked in busy hospitals where I saw so many wonderful expo like exposure, I think was definitely one of the benefits. I worked mm-hmm. in busy places. Sometimes mm-hmm. some of the exposures were not so great. Like I got scabies working in a mm-hmm. hospital yeah. once and that yeah. was not mm-hmm. fun. It was super itchy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, some of the, so what was the other question? Challenges. So you named one there, right? <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a challenge. And I remember coming yeah. home and luckily my husband did not get it. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that is pretty amazing. <laughs> um, and then challenges were, I think that for me, um, loss, watching people suffer and mm-hmm. feeling helpless is often a hard thing. Mm-hmm. And so figuring out how to navigate that was challenging often and continues to be a challenge Mm -hmm. because I hear really sad stories lots and lots of times and figuring out how to carry that or let go of it to kind Mm -hmm. of be compassionate but not um, lose myself in the story to separate myself but still be present Mm -hmm. yeah that's such a powerful concept and one we talk about when it's some disconnect from that energy exchange how do we stay engage with the patient. And like you said, still preserve ourselves in that encounter. Have you found some tools to do that in the professional setting? But I hear that even in relationships, right? In personal relationships, how do we stay engaged and protective of ourselves? Well, I think the concept is to recognize that the emotions that are invoked are real, but that Mm -hmm. they're not our story. Mm -hmm. And to Mm -hmm. kind of separate yourself from that story, to be present and be available for them and have that emotional connection with them in that moment, but separate yourself from the story that this isn't about me, this is their story. And I can be available to them and I can provide compassion and I can provide real feelings and advice or a listening ear, but I don't have to take it with me. Mm-hmm. And then of course, there's other things that you can do that can be grounding. And that's whether it's meditating or art or exercise or other things to kind of release whatever tension you can't do mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. And do you find that it does bring up for you something that you might benefit from processing yourself? You know, if you are sure, really pulled I... into a story, like this might be something to to look at once we're Um, done with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I am a long-term user and advocate of therapy. So I Mm -hmm. process my own stuff in therapy in order to kind of make sure that I remain at the top of my game. Mm -hmm. I believe that it is a great tool for most people to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes supervision can be helpful as well when you have difficult cases that you want to run past people in a community of your peers So if there's anyone that you've trained with or supervisors or mentors that you can keep in touch with to kind of say, hey, this is difficult. What what do you think? And not be embarrassed that you don't know the answer because not everybody knows the answer all the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. That's important, too. And then there are things like balance groups. Are you familiar with those are? No. Tell us more. So balance groups started from uh, Michael Balance. He's like a Hungarian And um, they are much more popular in Germany and England. And I think that in the UK, it's a 
cursory to do in family practice and primary care. Mm-hmm. And they occur typically once a month. There are about eight to 10 physicians with two group leaders, and they last about an hour and a half. And the doctors kind of each session bring a case. And the case is basically a patient that you take home with you. The one that you can't let go of that you ruminate about, whether it's someone that you care deeply or that's difficult or that's very sick and you're not sure. And you present the case in all of its details, the relationship, the feelings, the dynamics, the medical piece, and then you sit back. And everybody else in the room talks about the case, but it's not a morbidity and mortality Mm -hmm. concept. Mm -hmm. It's more what it must feel like to be the doctor, what it Mm. must feel like to be the patient, and what the relationship in and of itself standing alone is like. And they kind of talk about all of those different facets. And for a little while, the person that presented the case isn't carrying it. Mm -hmm. And they get to see all the different perspectives that they may not be seeing because they're only seeing their own perspective. And then typically what happens is several weeks later, when they come back and they've seen the patient again, something shifts in that Mm -hmm. relationship. They present differently to the patient and the dance that has been happening between them changes. And there's a lot of data to show that these balance groups reduce burnout for doctors reduce liability, like there's less Mm -hmm. malpractice. And it's a wonderful thing. There's actually this program in Charlotte called Art and Medicine Mm -hmm. that's run by this amazing psychologist, Alison Bickett, and um, another doctor, Mary. And I'm, (laughs) why am I forgetting her last name? Don't I don't you can know look why. it up and put it in the show notes. Yeah, there's always resources. And yeah. um, she's a family practice doc, also really passionate about balance. And so they've combined it with an art technique. And so what you do is you go to the Beckler Museum and you look at art and it's all modern art, which is very confusing, right? Because it's not just a <laughs> typical picture, but it's really art that invokes emotions and different emotions from different people. And everybody talks about the emotions that it invokes in them. And then somebody prevents, presents a case and somehow or other, the emotions in the art are somehow tied to the emotions in the case in some way. Mm-hmm. And it, it trumps it up even another level. And so yeah. doctors that participate in this group actually find a way to kind of help themselves also with stress and burnout and dealing with hard yeah. cases. Great That's stuff. That's amazing. I love that. That sounds like a fabulous way to... I love that levying the burden, right? Sharing Correct. it amongst others who might not yeah. be as deeply affected by it and can give Correct. you that perspective. That's amazing. I'm curious, as we think about the osteopathic concept in psychiatry, so there's a lot of mind involvement, right? We think about right. that. And certainly we could see the spirit. I'm curious how you see the integration of the three, right? Mind, body, and spirit in the work that you're doing and how that shows up for your patients and maybe opportunities you have to utilize those other. I think that psychiatry does osteopathic really well because it's the Mm -hmm. biopsychosocial model, really. Mm -hmm. You're trying to figure out the whole person and it's through their experiences, their history, their behaviors, their patterns. And it's through that, that you help them find wellness. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about that osteopathic model, that it's through cultivating wellness that you can prevent illness 
you're really doing that same thing. It's not just finding the disease, Mm -hmm. it's finding the person. And psychiatry is really about that same thing. The only thing that I don't do that Mm -hmm. osteopathically I miss is I don't really Mm -hmm. manipulate my patients. Mm -hmm. I don't, I do hug them. Don't get me wrong. When it's appropriate, they get a hug, but I'm not touching them as often as I probably would have if I was a family practice doc practicing mm-hmm. osteopathy. It's interesting. One of my colleagues, you know, as a neuromusculoskeletal medicine specialist was in psychiatry first and added the NMM board. And then in her segue, you know, her retirement journey took her into OMT for a time, which was a yeah. really nice junction. Right. I mean, somatic yeah. release would be probably really smart there, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So many opportunities there as well. And you brought up a point and it just resurfaced again now. So in those really tough cases, you know, like you mentioned, people are really suffering and you're feeling that, how do you still see the health? And this question comes up a lot from patients and in different specialties. I think about in oncology, you know, in places where it feels like it really is all pathology, how do you still hold that space for health to still be there and health to grow? Well, you changed. So when I was younger and I was, before I went into medicine, I went and worked at a hospital in White Plains. And I did like a summer program with children that had spina bifida. And I remember leaving and crying. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to the doctor who was there, who was always smiling and always happy. And and I said, I don't understand. How do you do it? Because these kids were in like body casts and they were just, it made me so sad. And she said, she, she, called me back in. She said, I want you to take a look at these kids. And she said to me, look at them and watch them. And they were smiling and they were laughing. And she said, they have struggles, but they also have joys. And if you find the joys and you focus on those, then you find the wellness. And so that's what I try to do with my patients is that I try to help them find what are the things, when do they remember when they felt well and what did that look like and how do we get that? there? What are the things that you feel good and strong about that you feel confident about and where do you function well? And how do we take that and bridge that to the other things? So even when someone's not thriving, it doesn't mean it's across every panel and every board. It just means that in some areas they're struggling, but they have strengths. And if we can Mm -hmm. take those strengths and figure out how to kind of spread it and apply it and build their confidence, we can slowly increase it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Picture that where you might be stuck right in this one little pocket. It seems like it's so gloomy, but there's, you know, there's light all around. We can just get out of that space. Yeah. What a gift to bring. And so you mentioned peds and psychiatrists. So it makes sense, right? You're working more with children and women. So how did you hone in on that population as you continue to expand your practice? So what I real so what I learned over time is that your child is as healthy as their mother, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you look at studies of kids that have depressive episodes, they fare better when their mother is healthy. When you think about PTSD, um, and we think, so when I was in, um, lived in New York during 9-11 and study after study was showing that the expressiveness and resilience of the parent indicated the impact it would have on the children. And so it made sense that if I was able to treat moms and parent mothers, that I would also improve the impact of kids. Mm-hmm. And then, 
and I enjoyed working with moms and I enjoy working with women. And I like the intellectual capacity that I can have when I work with adults. And so I like being able to switch with being silly and joking with kids. And then I adore teenagers and their tenacity and their emotional (laughs) dysregulation. But I also Mm -hmm. like having intellectual conversations with adults. So it gives me the ability to enjoy different aspects of growth and development. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then with COVID, my, my desire began, where am I most needed? Mm -hmm. And I watched my colleagues just Mm -hmm. struggling. And I figured that's where I'm needed. And Mm -hmm. that intellectual piece was fueling me and helping them. So everybody wins there. Yeah. So tell us more about this wellness program for female medical professionals. What does that look like? Sure. So it's, so as we talked about, so for me, grounding comes from doing things that I enjoy that make me feel alive and good. And so I love to cook and I love to play in my garden. And so I use the herbs and fruits and vegetables that I grow in my garden And then I love to do pottery and I've been doing pottery for like 10 or 15 years. And when I'm using clay, I am present and in the moment and the feel of the clay and I'm mindful and I sit on a yoga ball when I do it. So I work on my posture and um, there's this flow that happens where time just kind of warps into whatever and it can just pass and anything that is worrying or bothering me just disappears. It's just, I'm in my clay and it's all gone and there's a sense of peace. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards I get to put the food that I make on my plates and people get to enjoy it. And the pottery gets donated for fundraisers and different things. Like there's so many ways that it provides and Mm -hmm. gives. And that to me is wonderful. So here I am doing these things and it's helping me manage my own stress and burnout as I watch all of these people and take care of all these people. And I thought to myself, well, this works, why not share it? And so I was um, talking with, I don't know if you know who Sunny Smith is. Mm -hmm. She's a coach and we, we were, I was doing some kind. So my friend Tia Conzer, she's Mm -hmm. also an osteopath. Mm-hmm. She said, you know, come do this coaching thing with me. I'm doing this with Sonny Smith. And we were sitting in a group and they were saying, well, what do you want to do different? Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody said, well, why don't you take all those things that you love and share it with other people and create a program? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so I began and that's yeah. how it began. And so then I applied for continuing education credits through a company and I got CME. Mm-hmm. And so I speak about burnout and stress reduction. And I did it for the North Carolina Osteopathic Medical Association. And it wasn't a talk, it was more of an interactive discussion. Mm-hmm. And I had them do a ProQOL and then I had them do some meditation. And um and the ProQOL, for those that don't know what it is, it's a quality of life questionnaire that assesses mm-hmm. burnout and quality of life. Um, And instead of just lecturing, I kind of had them assess where they were in the moment to kind of decide what do they need to do for themselves and if they need to make changes and they could leave the lecture 
with kind of an action plan of what they wanted to try to do instead of just talking about statistics that whole session. Yeah. Um, and so afterwards, <clears throat> the program coordinator said, hey, I know you do this program. What are your thoughts about trying to see if the AOA will approve it? Mm-hmm. And I said, I would love that. So she mm-hmm. went and helped me get AOA approval for Category 1A credits. That's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, and so does this take place virtually or in person or how does it it's work? in person. So it's eight mm-hmm. sessions and each session you learn a different pottery technique mm-hmm. and a different, either it's a meditative technique or a CBT technique or um, a, a mindfulness technique because they're kind of different. And then you read a journal article on your own. Mm-hmm. about whether it's art and medicine or meditation or burnout. And then over a meal, we discuss the article and then whether you tried some of the techniques and what worked and what didn't and why. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then we practice a new technique and you go home. And then at the end, you have a handful of pottery pieces and lots of wonderful mm-hmm. memories in each session, it's like a different region. So part of the food is mindfulness too. So Mm -hmm. all the food is farm to table. There's no preservatives. If it's an ingredient that they don't have at the farmer's market, then I'll go to an organic local shop to buy it. Mm -hmm. And um, so one session is Italy. Another session could be India. Another session could be uh, Morocco. It depends on what the food they bring at the farmer's market as to what gets made. And then at the end, you get like uh, all the recipes. So if you want to make them yourself, you can. And you get a journal with journal prompts for each Mm -hmm. week to do based on what we're learning so that you can kind of think about what happened and create your own future. And then a prompt to create like an action plan for goals for change for yourself Mm -hmm. when you leave. And how is this going? Is how much fun is it to host? I can just imagine it is amazing. all the descriptors. Yeah. So, it, and, so when I planned it, I thought it would be great. And then when I've done it, it was beyond what I imagined. The women were incredible. The dialogues were great. And the dialogues went beyond just talking about the articles. The dialogues went be, about them supporting each other, talking about things that are going on in their hospitals. Oh, but we tried this and this worked. Have you done this? Mm -hmm. And then, and and so some of the things were conversations like, oh my God, I missed you guys so much. I'm so glad we're back because it was either every other or every week, depending on Mm -hmm. holidays and scheduling and so on. And, um, you know, my favorite comment is how do we keep this going? I don't want this to end. So they Mm -hmm. talked about like having a monthly session where we would continue to do it. And then one woman just invited everybody. I'm going to do a bicycle tour in Ireland. Can we all do this together? Like trying to find ways to maintain it. It, it. It was so good. What an amazing network to have. Yeah. And how often do you plan to run these sessions? Um, Three times a year. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's another one starting January 20th. Um, And then, and so this session, I'm also doing a separate session for mid-levels. They'll be separate. So it'll be PAs and NPs will have their group and then physicians will have their group. Mm-hmm. And the other piece that's really nice is in the city that I'm in, there are two main hospitals. 
atrium and no vent. And the hospitals like to keep their doctors separate. Mm-hmm. And this was an opportunity for those women in those different hospitals to actually talk about the differences mm-hmm. and the similarities yeah. and the mm-hmm. nonsense that goes on and kind of empower themselves as to like how they will approach their systems yes. for the inadequacies mm-hmm. that they have been presented. So it was empowering for them to kind of be able to go back to the table and say, hey, this is not okay. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, those that. abilities to break down the silos in medicine are so Correct. important. Yeah, I love that. I'm curious too, do you see this expanding into trainee space, you know, having come through training programs, you know, positions in training, residents or students? So I do have a discounted rate for the residents, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just sent out recently. And hopefully they will um, come and join and be able to kind of get an idea and a glimpse as to what like the elders are saying and Mm -hmm. you know get a feeling for what it's like to meet them when they're not on the floors and in the offices which will be nice and I have this plan to do and one of the other things that the women asked for and which I'm trying to create is retreats Mm. that'll be more intensive you know like a five or six day program where we will be somewhere lovely and calming and we'll do pottery and Mm -hmm. meditation and yoga and different things yeah um somewhere nice and calm so I've looked at places that have the clay that I use Mm -hmm. so Barcelona is one of them the UK is another but with COVID it's not (laughs) so yes but hopefully not so far off I'm curious how physicians do coming to something that I imagine many of them are new to pottery, right? This is a skill they don't have. And that can be very intimidating, right? When we're used to being the specialist and the expert, how is sure. that to bring someone to a space of, I don't really know what I'm doing. How do I it's handle wonderful. That? It's mm-hmm. so sweet to watch and they really enjoyed it. And it was so cute for some of them. They were like, what am I doing? I'm like, does it matter? Mm-hmm. Like, just feel it, just enjoy it. And so some of them would be like, oh, this is terrible. And I'm like, no, it's not. And then after they, they, you know, played with it a little bit and they glaze, once the glaze was on it and they got to, they were like, oh my God, this is so good. I'm like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, but I really like it. Mm-hmm. And so they were really proud and happy. I have some posts on Facebook of some of the art that some of them made mm-hmm. and it came out so good. Yeah. And so one of the things about pottery is that it's very humbling mm-hmm. in that it doesn't come out ever how you expect it to (laughs) do, even if you're a professional. There is Mm -hmm. always something about the clay that it has some level of control that it holds itself, Mm -hmm. right? So it has its, so clay has plasticity, but it also has memory. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't handle it exactly the way that it expects you to handle it, it's going to do its own thing when it fires in the kiln. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's some learning curve that I made. So we made charcuterie boards, but they handled it more than it should have been handled. And my bad, not knowing <laughs> that because they're beginners, they want to handle it more than they mm-hmm. should. In the kiln, they all warped more than someone who knows better mm-hmm. would have handled. So they all warped a little. And since charcuterie yeah. boards are big, mm-hmm. the warp was more obvious since mm-hmm. they're larger. So for me, we will not be doing charcuterie boards. In the next session, we'll be doing mm-hmm. something different because I need to know that with their skill level, they should be doing something that doesn't have as much of a warp potential. Yeah, a little but more forgiveness there. It yeah. was still beautiful <laughs> at the end of the day and still functional. 
So mm-hmm. even if it's not perfect, yeah. good is still good. Yes. And that's what we have to remember, right? We can't, perfect isn't a realistic expectation mm-hmm. in life in general. So mm-hmm. good is great. I love that too, the structure and function, right? It doesn't have to be exact to still work. You know, that's so powerful. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I hope you will share with us for the show notes if people want to get involved and engage in this upcoming session and hopefully for these sure. future retreats, get on that wait list and to be in the know. Mm-hmm. We've heard so many fabulous ways on how you can help find the health and the balance course and the courses you're running. And I'm curious if you could take that panoramic view, how you would say you see yourself for the health of all things. Uh, can you help me a little bit with what you mean by that question? Yeah. So the health, you know, of all of it, of the world, of the person you, and you've mentioned in so many different ways, right? Bringing these skills through and holding space for all emotions and yours included. And if you look at the arc, you know, of your practice in medicine, what do you see as kind of that beacon, how you support health most and with most resonance in your soul? Right. I think it's through hope. Right. I think that we all have difficulties and we're all fallible. And that through the hope that there is opportunity for better, not perfect, but for better and for wellness and for finding those things or tools along the way that we get better. Yeah. I love that. Bring in the hope. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience and the work that you're doing. And please do let us know here in the episode itself, how can people get in touch with you? How can they find you? So I have a website. It's um, silverspaces.org. And then my email is on there, Mm -hmm. Um, but silverspaces.org. And um, yeah, find me. Let's look forward to seeing some pictures of that beautiful artwork that's been created. It's on there. There's a gallery of all kinds of things and good stuff that I've made that they've made. It's all there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for the great work that you're doing and for the conversation. Look forward to hearing how it continues to grow. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Bye, Amelia. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone who you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.